Reading the book of Deuteronomy can give you a sense of deja vu. Ah, we've been here before. Stories get retold in this book. Stories that we heard in the four books right before them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Repetition is even embedded in the name. Deuteronomy means second law or copy of the law. But it's not repetition for its own sake. Stories are retold with a purpose. The content has different authors and origins, but this book is intentionally framed a certain way. It's framed as a series of sermons by Moses, the one who led them out of slavery in Egypt and who helped them endure 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And these sermons come near the end of those 40 years. Soon they will be crossing over into the promised land. These long speeches retell the stories of Exodus in order to reinforce the people's identity. It's an identity that's barely in its infancy. They barely know who they are and who their God is, and therefore they need to hear it again and again and again. Moses retells the first leg of their journey when they followed a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night as God, Yahweh, moved on ahead showing the way. He reminds them of their episodes of rebellion and God's forgiveness and restoration. Most importantly, he reminds them of their time at Mount Sinai where Yahweh graciously gave them what they needed most for life, the law, the Torah. And this brings me to the title of my sermon, Between Cloud and Ground. A full and meaningful life of faith needs both cloud and ground. Especially when wandering in a wilderness, we need cloud and ground. And here's what I mean. Ground is mostly solid and predictable and, well, grounding. Cloud is kind of the opposite of ground. A cloud by nature is temporal. It's shape-shifting. It's always on the move. It's impossible to capture and control. While the people were wandering in the wilderness, God came to them in a cloud by day and by night in a pillar of fire or a cloud of fire or a pillar of cloud and fire. What was most needed at that point in time in the life of the people of Israel was to keep them on the move to keep them going in the right direction. See, there there was this strong magnetic force trying to pull them back to Egypt. And yes, they knew there was oppression and slavery back in Egypt, but there was also a reliable source of food and water and shelter. And if you're hungry and thirsty and exposed to the elements for long enough, 
that kind of predictability can pull pretty hard. So God saw and gave them what they needed. God came as a cloud and led them forward instead of backward. But after a long while of wandering, of pulling up stakes and moving on to the next place, time after time after time, they were in need of some solid ground. So God saw and gave them what they needed. The law to ground them. Now, we misread the New Testament words of Jesus and the words of Paul as being entirely negative about the law. As if the law is bad, but grace is good. But neither Jesus nor Paul threw out the law. They only put it in perspective. For Jesus and Paul then, and for Jews everywhere to this day, the law has always been a gift, a gracious provision of God. It's a reminder of who we are. It helps us never lose sight of home. It keeps our feet from slipping out from underneath us whenever the earth is shaking. We live in this space between cloud and ground. We need God coming to us as cloud whenever we're tempted to go back to a life that is less than what God made us for. And we need God coming to us as ground in gracious words that ground us and center us and locate us whenever we find ourselves unmoored or adrift or wondering if the future holds anything life-giving. The Ten Commandments is just another example of why we need to read the Bible in its context. It's just too easy to pull something out of Scripture and make it a plaque on the wall, a motto, a saying, something to argue about and take people to court over. The way some have taken the Ten Commandments to court and sued on whether or not they belong on government property or not. I, I really don't care much about where they get publicly displayed. I care more about whether the people whose scripture this is take to heart the whole story and promote the kind of relationship with God and with other people that the commandments speak of. Now, I suppose you know that the Hebrew Bible, scripture for Jews and Christians, includes twice what we call the Ten Commandments, earlier in Exodus 20, and again here in Deuteronomy 5. And there's another list in Exodus 34, also called Ten Commandments, but that list has to do more with ritual law and worship. But did you know that the Quran also refers to Moses and the Ten Commandments in a positive light? 
and restates most of these commandments in various places throughout the Quran. In other words, there is some consistency here in these words across religious traditions that value these words as grounding words. These words deserve our respectful engagement and obedience. But let's not forget, they are not just a cold list of rules to follow, just to follow them. They came from a God who saw. God who saw a people who were in danger of becoming untethered, unmoored, adrift in a wilderness. So God came to them and gave them what they needed This law is grace. So instead of reading them as cold rules and restrictions, let's read them as the gracious gift they are. Let's read them as yes, Davids. Given by a God who sees our need and who responds in love. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an idol, means that God frees us from a life of being pulled in opposite directions. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, means that we need not be bogged down by the trivial and the profane, but we get to bask in the beauty of the sacred. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy means we don't have to be bound by compulsive busyness of constant work and anxious accumulation. Thank God. Honor your father and your mother means we get to stay connected to our roots and draw deep nourishment from them. You shall not murder means, thank God, we don't have to be caught in the death trap of escalating violence that's getting played out all over the world. You shall not commit adultery means we can have security and commitment in our most intimate human relationships. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's property all mean that God liberates us from a lonely and bankrupt life where feeding our personal desires takes precedence over having a rich relational life of mutuality in community. These ten words, these ten commandments come from a God who saw a people that needed this kind of grounding that these words provide. Words that help us live well in this space between cloud and ground. Yes, we are a people open to change, to new direction, to the wind of the Spirit, to the next place God wishes to take us, and... We are people who nevertheless have our feet on the ground, who know who we are, 
and who we belong to and where ultimately we are headed. Thanks be to the God who saw. Join me in these words of confession. From all our fears that burden and paralyze us, God of cloud and fire, free us and nudge us forward. From all that keeps us from moving forward with you, God of cloud and fire, liberate us and lead us. But when we find ourselves unmoored and adrift, God of the covenant, ground us by your grace. When we have lost sight of home, God of the covenant, remind us who, who we are. The God of cloud and fire, of grace and grounding, loves us unconditionally and promises to be with us always to the end of the age.